Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, how you guys doing? How's everybody doing at home? At home, clap like everybody else here. All right, let's clap. Everybody at home, you clapping? Right on. All right. Jesus, Lord. Amen? Amen. I hope you're clapping and screaming at home because that's a good thing. Well, today we're going to continue in our series on talent, and we're in Matthew 25. And uh, it's a whole different message today as each week is, but I want to begin by, uh, by saying that, um, you know, my house is a divided home because I'm an Angel fan. My wife is a Dodger fan. You guys know that. How many of you, you know, you guys, you Dodger fans out there, you had a great, great last month? Well, I think they all sat in the front row, because uh, I didn't hear much in the background on that one right there. Now, I was, um, um, you know, I, look, I don't watch uh, much baseball anymore. I, used, I grew up watching it all the time. I, I think it just got too slow for me. I, I don't know, but it's really rough for me, unless, of course, the Angels are in the World Series, and, of course, that's a different story. But... Um, but as I was watching, you know, I should say growing up, uh, there was something about baseball, they, in any sport, but they, they, uh, they followed the stat. And by the way, let me segue first real quick. Um, you Dodger fans, were you worried when they were down 3-1 to the Atlanta Braves? Uh, you know, I told a few Dodger fans, because they looked like the end of the world was coming when it down 3-1. I said, don't worry, because I, I knew enough to know that the Dodgers had a high-powered offense. I said, they're going to come back. But, you know, and prophetically they came back because I'm prophetic, I'm a prophet, but, uh, yeah. But I said they have, you're welcome. Uh, but they have a high-powered offense. I, they're going to come back, and, and they came back. And how many of you that night, because at my house it was very disturbing, the night that uh, that play at the plate, you know the play I'm talking about? When the catcher thought he had less time, he had a spin quick, and, and he didn't catch the ball, went by him, and he spun. Anybody, how many remember that night? How many of you were screaming and yelling and have going through spasms and different things that night? Okay, yeah, my, my, I was watching my wife go crazy and stuff. I thought, this is really interesting. I mean, I thought, I thought we cast all the demons. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, but it was just an interesting night. I, and, and I know Facebook lit up. Everybody's having a heart attack. And why did this happen? And this and that and everything. And I'm thinking, don't worry. I mean, they have a high-powered offense. I'm prophetic. They're going to come back, you know. And, of course, they came back and won. But watching the series because my wife is watching it every night and therefore we're one and so i'm going to watch it and uh you know they growing up they only had so many stats anyone remember that it was like average rbis home runs and yeah of course you get hits doubles triples stolen bases but now they have stats on everything I mean, it's incredible, and sometimes, even, I remember about 10, 12 years ago, I thought to myself, they need to stop it on the stats, but then again, to give somebody a job, right? Okay, so, I mean, they have stats that are crazy, like how many of this, how many, how many Skittles do they eat in between the innings, it's just crazy, but there was one stat during that series, and I thought, really? Um, but they showed, one batter came to, to the plate, and they showed, they, they had it broken off in segments, the person, when he hits a ground ball in the infield, the percentage of times it goes towards third, goes towards short, goes towards second, and goes towards first. And I thought, we really, we really need that stat? But then, you know, but the end of it is, yeah, they do because these, these teams, they want every advantage possible. And so they're going to stat everything. But I thought, 
They've broken it down into the, the, the most minuscule things, and they're looking at all the stats. But stats also show productivity. And that's what we're going to look at today because there's going to be a day in our lives. If you're a follower of Christ, you profess faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You and I individually are going to stand before Jesus Christ and we're going to, and all of our stats as a Christian are going to be unveiled. Not our sinful stats, but what did we do with what God gave us in our life for the kingdom of God? Any amens? It's going to come to pass. And they're going to stand there. And that's just what, what it is. We're going to see that today. We're going to have to give a performance review. Some of us in here, raise your hand after I say this. If it's 9 o'clock in the morning and the boss says, be in my office at 11, you're freaking out for two hours. Any amens? Yeah, can you imagine standing before Jesus and wondering, I hope, I, you know, did I really live out the, in the way I was supposed to? See, we've been talking in this series on how God has given us gifts talents and abilities and if you've missed the first two go back and watch it it will be enlightening because we're dissecting the, the parable of the, of the talents in Matthew 25 the first Sunday we looked at we can all be part if we're a follower of Christ we can all be part of the biggest story his story his story the kingdom of God history on planet earth we can be part of it if we want to be as a follower we don't have to be we can do nothing but you know we're going to give a performance review that was the first Sunday then the second Sunday, we looked at how we're tailor-made. That was last week. And how God is tailor-made because there's three guys in the story, one with one talent, one given two, one given five. And by the way, in case you're just joining us, one Roman talent of silver, per se, it's a measure of weight, not a coin, or coins. It's, it's one Roman talent, the equivalent of about 16 years worth of a man's wages back then. So the one guy gets 16 years worth, one guy gets 32 years worth, one guy gets 80 years, sorry, yeah, 80, 32, 80 years worth of, of income, uh, of a salary to work with. So everybody got something and everybody got a lot. And so we have been all been tailor-made with certain gifts, talents, and abilities, and we got to do something with those things. And that's what we're going to look at today because we're going to stand before Jesus. I mean... I really want to stand there and I want him to say, hey, good job, buddy boy. Anybody want that? Or probably you want good job, buddy girl or something like that. Okay, so but first before we get into this, we're going to look at um, our key verses for the series. So there's two of them and we go through them every week in a series and they are these. Would you, would you read them with me? One, two, three. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. All right. Now the next one. And you at home, you need to read with us. Here we go. One, two, three. Do you see man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now, what do those mean? They mean what they meant last week and the week before. It means this, that literally in those days, if you wanted to have an audience with someone important, you would bring a physical gift to them and that would open the door. Your gifts, and we took the essence of that, your gifts, talents, and abilities as you, and then couple with the second verse, do you see a man skilled in his work? Skilled means to flow like water. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. In other words, you take gifts, talents, and abilities, and you begin to utilize them and use them and use them and use them and get better and better and better and better and better at it. It's going to open doors because now what you do in life, you begin to just flow like water. Someone once said it takes 10,000 hours of doing one thing and you become a pro at that. And that really makes a lot of sense. 
that we become so good at it. And we talked about the two areas that you should be using your gifts, talents, and abilities. Vocationally, you should find a career that really fits you, gifts, talents, and abilities, whether you go to school or work up through a company. Because like we said, of uh, uh, going back to the verse, do you see a man skilled in his work? You want to become skilled at that, and then you become a very important person for the company. Now, use them vocationally, but you can also use them ministerially, and you should. And as I say every week, somebody's going to say, no, you're the minister, I'm not. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The New Testament teaches you are a minister, and I am a minister, and we are all ministers and we should be doing something, volunteering, serving, and ministering for the kingdom of God. Every one of us should be doing that. And, that's, and we're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day to answer for those things. Now, we put all this together into one statement, and the statement is this, God gave it, don't waste it. Here we go, one, two, three. God gave it, don't waste it. Yeah, I like that. Now, before we get into today, remember, I told you last week, or the week before, Um, that David, it says of him in the book of Acts, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, meaning he died. See, David found his purpose in the time frame that he was here on earth, and he lived the purpose of God. See, I can live my will or thy will. It's one of the two. He found the purpose of God, he lived the purpose of God, and then he died. Mark Twain, as we said last week, said the two greatest days of your life are... The day you are born and, anyone remember? The day you find out why. The day you find out why you were born, why God placed you at this time in history. That you're not some accident, that you're not some ooze that climbed out of the ocean and evolved into this. There's a reason. You have a creator, a designer of your life, and he's a designer of the universe, and you are here. You are here for a specific purpose and a specific reason. And I'm going to tell you, friend, when you find it, and when you live it vocationally, ministerially, it's one of the most exciting adventures of your life. It's not easy all the time, but it's great. Any amens on that? Now, here's what we're going to... Thank you for that. I got two claps. I think maybe one. But anyway. All right. Did they put espresso a couple shots of my coffee this morning? I'm not sure. Because sometimes they'll do that to me and laugh as they watch me. Um, So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to take you through one point. One, yeah. But then I got three bullet points under the one point. And then I'm going to take that third bullet point, I'm going to swish it that way, swish it that way, and then drive it all the way home at the end with a lot of really good verses. Sound like a plan? Same clap? God bless you. There's more, okay. God bless you, okay. So here we go, point one. And then if you, you know, you have that QR in front of you, you can get it on your phone there. Um, um. Number one, I will give an account of what I did with my life for God. Say that with me. I will give an account of what I did with my life for God. Now watch verse 19 of Matthew 25, and it says this. This is the continuance of the story. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The landowner comes back. He has given them the talents. He wants to know if they were productive with them. Now comes the performance review. And when it says, after a long time, you and I could say it like this, after a lifetime. You and I, right now, as we sit here at home or here, we are living between verse 18 and verse 19. 
Jesus Christ ascended. He sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's gifted us. Gifts, talents, and abilities. And now we're to use these gifts, talents, and abilities to serve somewhere in our vocation, in our ministry. And one day, the Master, the Lord Jesus coming back, we're going to be called on the carpet. Performance review. What did I do? And because it's a long time, it's easy to get lulled into doing nothing. Any amens? It's rarely, well, you know, it's going to take a long time. No, no, no. You cannot get lulled into it. Now, I'm going to read verse 20, 21, 22, and 23, and then I'm going to really kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly hit those, and then I'm going to jump in deeper into it. Here we go. Verse 20. Here comes the progress report of the first two guys. The third guy with the one talent, we'll, we'll look at him next week. That's going to be fun. The one who had received the five talents. This guy got 80 years worth of wages to work with. Came up and brought five more talents. Got 160 years worth of wages now to give to the bobs. And he says, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. Watch what the boss says, who's a picture of Jesus. His master said to him, well done. And by the way, <clears throat> when Jesus says, well done, I just think that's a confirmation that all steak and hamburgers should be cooked well done. Anybody with me on that right there? <sighs> How many of you like to eat steak with like red in it? I'll see you guys later. I'm in the wrong place. No. <laughs> I was at a restaurant with my, my rich buddy up north who were... And, you know, I would never pay that much for a steak, but he's paying, so hey, man, amen. So I go, can you cook it well done? Really, swanky place. Swanky, is that still a word? No? Thank God bless you. Um, so they, I go, can you make that well done? And they go, uh, could we butterfly it so it's, sir? And I, they didn't want to burn it. I go, yeah, you can do that. So, you know, but I wanted it well done the way Jesus says it should be. But anyway. He says, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. A few? 80 years worth of wages? That shows you how much the boss has in heaven. Amen? I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now the second guy's coming. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with uh, entrusted two talents to me, 32 years worth of wages to work with. See, I have gained two more. I've made it into 64 years worth of wages. I did some, I was productive. Watch what the boss says. It's a picture of Jesus. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, <clears throat> What I want to do today is first, I'm going to look at uh, these, I'm going to look at three things that happened in, the, in those verses. We're going to look at words, we're going to look at rewards, and we're going to look at eternal experiences. And then I'm going to drive eternal experiences home, okay? So here we go. First thing is words. What does he say? Faithful, good, and well done. We're going to key on the word faithful. Faithful is a big thing. Paul in the New Testament, he would tell us one time, he said, it is uh, stewards... In other words, those who are put in charge of somebody's stuff, a steward should be found trustworthy or faithful. Okay. <clears throat> These guys could be trusted to be faithful. Faithfulness 
has an enduring element to it, does it not? Say, please say yes, somebody. Okay, phew, I thought it was in the wrong place. Um, let me give you a for instance, because some of you are living this right now. My, my father died in 1990. I'm the youngest of the family. I'm 18 years younger than my oldest brother who already passed away. He was in the service before I was even born. So we're really widespread. Uh, my dad would be 106 years old right now if he were still alive. But he passed in 1990. My parents were married over 50 years. My mother passed away in 2002. Some of you remember that. Some of you were very supportive during that time. Um, my mother never remarried after that. But for over 50 years, I watched them be faithful to each other. They, they stayed together. It wasn't perfect marriage by any means. You know the, my background story. But they stayed faithful. You see, faithfulness has an enduring element to it. Does it not? Does it not? It's not intermittent. It's not start, stop, stop, start, start, stop. It's not that. It's not go, then quit, then go, then quit, then go. Faithfulness has an enduring element. It's not short term. It's like a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. It's not any of those things. And so when God looks at us or on that day we give the progress report, he's going to look at our faithfulness. I'll say this, I'll say it later on in the series. He's not complimenting them on doubling the amount. Did you notice that? He's complimenting on them on the fact that you went for it. Yeah, you doubled it, that's great and everything, but you went for it and you stayed faithful to it and you did not quit. There's an unending, enduring quality to that man. That's what faithfulness is all about. If you've been married a long time here, you know that your marriage has hit a few snags. Any amens? In this section especially right here, I'm just joking. But you work through it. You endure and you are faithful. And that's the way God looks at us. Are you faithful? Now, the one thing that I've had to look at and examine, because I've been in church uh, ministry for um, full-time for 35 years now, but I've been in ministry for probably 40 years of my 41 years. I jumped in right away. Um, but here's, I've watched a certain phenomenon, and that is that, let me back up. To, to endure, to remain faithful, you must balance something. You must balance serving God and seeking pleasure. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, I, I've watched it. People serve God and faithfully in church five years, seven years, ten years, all of a sudden, and I've watched it. Then they quit. Then they never serve again. Then you rarely ever see them in church at all. They probably, maybe they watch online, I don't know. And then it just ends. They became, they were faithful for a while, but then it just ended. Is that faithfulness? Not really. Because faithfulness is like a marriage. It's all the way to the end. Now, they go off and possibly they go into pleasure. Now, pleasure is a good thing, but you got to be careful with pleasure, right? Because Eve, was to, she looks at the fruit, it says, looks good, it looks pleasurable. you got to be careful with pleasure. Because pleasure can take you a little bit too far if you allow it, and it can destroy your life eventually. And that's a fact. 
So you cannot just go for a time and then say, now I'm going to just relax now and do what I want to do for the rest of my life and never serve God in some kind of tangible way again. That doesn't, that's not faithfulness. Now, I've watched people do that. I've watched people, God bless them and bless them. They're really involved. And I've seen it. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Really involved. Then they say, you know, my work or my business is too busy. I've got to step down from everything now because I've got to work on this. I'm thinking, who gave you all that? Any amens? Do you realize what you just said? I don't have time anymore? That's a dangerous place to be. That's not faithful. It's intermittent. It stops. Now, the other side of it is just as dangerous when it comes to seeking, uh, serving or seeking pleasure. So I've watched other Christians now just serve, 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 serve. They're at church six nights a week. They're too much. And you know what? They just destroy their lives. And finally, they just burn out, and they don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to do that either because that's crazy. So you've got to find the balance of serving God and seeking pleasure. Look, I'm in full-time ministry, been a long time, but I like to take a couple vacations a year. You know that. I'm gone about three Sundays a year. I, I mean, I like to take off here and there to do things. I mean, I like, to, I, I like to do stuff. I mean, the other night, it was Wednesday night, two weeks ago, and you guys know I like Freddy's Burgers Victorville, right? Any amens? And I said, let's go to Freddy's tonight. We drive 50 miles one way to get that burger, sit in the car, because you can't go inside. On a Wednesday night, drive 50 miles back. That was a good night, okay? I like pleasure, but I can't overdo pleasure. And I always tell people, if there was a phrase in Corona, it'd be over. It would be over. Now, so you've got to balance the two. You've got to have pleasure, and, but you've got to have serving in your life. Otherwise, you'll never remain faithful. He compliments them on their faithfulness. Now, the second thing after words is rewards. Watch what he says. He says, I will put you in charge of many things. That's what he told the guys. Because you did good, you were faithful, I'll put you in charge of many things. Luke, he expands on this truth with another similar story of Jesus, and he says this, watch. And he said to him, well done, good slave, because you have been, say the word, faithful in a very little thing. You are to be what? In authority over what? Tensed. Are you kidding me? What? What? Think of what Jesus said. Jesus is going, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords of the universe, right? We are involved in a kingdom of God. Go back to that time, they could understand it. The Roman Empire was in charge. They had Pontius Pilate, you know, what, 2,000 miles away? And Pilate was a person in authority over the province of Judea, and yet there was a Caesar back in Rome and he was given authority. It's a picture they understood. You and I don't always understand it. But when Jesus inherits, comes in with his kingdom on earth in the millennial age, some of us who served and served and served and served, we're going to be the people over cities. We're going to be the Jesus part, the Jesus political godly party. Any amens? That's going to happen. If you so choose to be involved in things. It's interesting to me that the writer of Hebrews, and by the way, if you're, you need to watch every, every, every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, there's a verse-by-verse -verse study goes on. I don't know if you watch it, I do that. Good, one of you does in first service. But anyway, it's at 7 on Facebook. It's, you can watch it later on, too. And it's on YouTube, and it's podcast. Right now, I'm going through selected psalms. 
Not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. I'm going to expand this idea because I'm doing Psalm 8, cutting it in three sections. And you're going to see more and more about this idea that we're going to be given authority, we're going to be over things if we have served God in, our, in that capacity. In Hebrews chapter 2, it tells us the world to come will be subject to us. Is that interesting? The world to come will be subject to us. You and I, because of our service to God tangibly, we are going to be looked at as faithful, and we will be rewarded, and we will be over cities in the empire of Jesus Christ. Anybody like that? If you felt powerless in this life, start serving in some tangible capacity, and you will never feel powerless again in the eternal life. And this life is just a vapor. You ever seen a vapor? Psh, gone. Eternity is forever. Now, the third thing is eternal experience. Now, he says, I will enter into eternal joy. Oh, I like that right there. Now, let me just say this about joy on, on an earthly level because it's earthly and it's eternal. Do you know that people who serve and volunteer, it's proven that they are healthier physically, emotionally, and mentally? Did you know that? Did you know that like runners get a runner's high, the endorphins? They say that people who serve and volunteer, they get a helper's high of endorphins too. Did you know that? Did you know that it's proven the people who serve and volunteer, their stress levels are much lower? Did you know that? So just serving is a really, really positive thing. But let's drill down even further. Now I'm going to segue into this thing to show you What's going to specifically happen when we stand before Jesus Christ as a follower of Christ? I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to, I'm going to read this to you. Verses 10 through 16. It's, these are great verses. This is Paul writing. He's letting us know. It is called what's called the Bema Seat of Christ. Now watch. <clears throat> According to the grace of God, which was given to me, we've all been graced with gifts, talents, and abilities. Say amen. Like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. So therefore, I have a foundation in my life, and the foundation is none other than Jesus Christ. He was the foundation, the stone that was rejected by the builders, but he's become the foundational stone of life. And another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds. We ought to be careful how we build our life, how we live for God or not, in the serving capacity. Verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, stop. Now he's giving you two categories opposite categories of results on the one hand you could have wood hay stubble you can get that anywhere on the other hand you could have gold silver precious metals as you're serving to God how, what you did that takes effort and you got to mine that stuff and it's worth a lot more any amens he just separated the categories and now you got to watch how it's going to work out verse 13 each man's work will become evident 
for the day will show it. When I stand before Jesus, and so do you, it is be, it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work or service to God. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer, say it, he will suffer. Verse 15, guys, verse 15. There we go. He will suffer. I thought I was reading the wrong Bible. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Now, what's, what's he saying right there? All of our serving to God will have to pass the test of fire. If we didn't do anything, or we did what we wanted, thinking, I can just do what I want, and this is it. No, that's wood, hay, straw. Will that pass the test of fire? Yes or no? No, it's not going to make it. It's going to get burned up, but you'll still be saved. Now, I'm going to need a segue come back. You'll still be saved. Lot escapes Sodom and Gomorrah. Did he escape with anything? Not really. But Sodom and Gomorrah are burned with fire, are they not? He is saved, yet as though fire. Some people, you're going to make it to heaven. You're born again. And let me say this. This is not about salvation. This is not about that. Once you put your faith in Jesus, you're saved. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you. This is not about sin. You're not going to be judged for that. That's for an unbeliever. You are saved. You, are, you couldn't save yourself. I couldn't save myself. That's why Jesus had to come down to us because I couldn't make it up to him. Right? So relax. You're born again. But your works are very important after you're saved. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by what you believe. Now, some people are going to stand there and have nothing. Not going to, not going to pass the test of fire. But on the other hand, there's gold, silver, precious metals that, man, you served. You did things in the will of God. You did your purpose. You helped out. Man, you did it. And those are going to stand the test of fire, and you'll be rewarded for those things. Now watch this, verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, there are two different times he talks about the temple. In one case, you, it's talking about us individually as a temple, but not here. In this verse, he's talking about the collective group, the church of the living God. He's talking about the local church, the local body of believers. Which means this, if we're not doing our part in the local body, we're hurting the local church. Any amens? And the local church is still the hope of the world, is it not? Is it not out there in digital land? You've got to do your part or else you weaken this whole thing. Now, someone is going to think, I've got to answer this, someone's going to say, well, I'm not really into rewards. <laughs> really? So let me get this straight. You're going to stand before Jesus one day. He's going to, you're going to look at him. He's going to, you're going to see the nail marks, scars. You're going to see it all. And you're going to say, I wasn't into rewards. You're going to look at the guy, Jesus, and say, and knowing that he came, was tortured, was beaten, was spit upon, was nailed, was pierced. He dies. He's buried. He rises from the dead. He sends to heaven for our salvation. Say, I'm not really into rewards. I, I, I didn't really want to do anything. You're going to tell him that? Is that what you're going to tell him? You can be gutsy right now, can't you? But you won't be gutsy in that moment, I guarantee you. 
See, when we don't, listen, let me try to put it in a different category to make it understandable. When we just say, I'm not going to do anything, doesn't that sound like a dysfunctional, damaged, one-sided marriage? Any amens? Have my spouse do everything, I'll do nothing. Do those marriages last? No. We, some of us, live out our relationship to Jesus like a one-sided, damaged, dysfunctional marriage. No, no. You've got to do your part in the kingdom. Now, let, let's, let's move on because the whole thing is about joy. You're not going to stand there with great joy saying, I just didn't want to do anything. You're not going to have a lot of joy. And the last thing was, eternal experience was joy. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. <clears throat> now, watch this. Great two verses. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, that's chapter 11. You see all the great people who did so many great things for God. They're surrounding us. Let us, you and I, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance, endure, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the A, then the perfecter, the Z, the A and the Z, the B and the A, of faith, who for the, say the word, oh, the oh, whoa, here it is, who for the joy, where's that joy? Set before him. It's in front of him. He endured the cross, endured, faithfulness. He sees joy in the future. He's on the cross, enduring. He despised the shame. He's up there naked and humiliated. He didn't, he despised the shame. He says there's an eternal joy and there's something in the future. This is what I'm doing this for. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Is that a potent verse or what? Now, what did it say? It says, you and I are to run the race. Serve, live for God, find your purpose. Throw off the things that slow you down. Live the balance of serving and pleasure. That way you endure and you're faithful to the end serving God. And it says in there, there is a racer that we must race like. Who's the racer? Jesus is the racer. We must race like him. Now, <clears throat> what, in verse 2, what kept the racer in the race on that cross? A joy set before him. A joy set before him. There's a joy in the future. Okay, I am... Um, you ever notice, I, I, I just do things, some things I do are kind of weird, okay? Can you believe that? I, 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 what I'll do sometimes, and I did it twice this week, is I'll buy myself a caramel ribbon crunch frappuccino, and I'll put it in the freezer and freeze it for later that night because I have a lot of things I got to get done in the day. As I'm working, getting stuff done, if it's my day off, I'm working on the yard doing different things, in the back of my mind, there's that caramel ribbon crunch in the freezer. There's, there's that future right there. And then comes that moment about 8.30 or 9 at night, and I can relax. I can put on one of my crime shows. I get that caramel ribbon crunch. I put it in the microwave for 35 seconds. Just so it makes it a little soft on the side. And I sit there, and I eat it, and it's just pure eternal joy. <laughs> See, there's a joy in the future. And that's the way you've got to look at when it comes to serving God. You got, there's a joy in the future. There's an eternal joy in the future. 
Watch what the, some of the great saints of Hebrews chapter 11, what they said about that joy in the future. Because that's the motivator to keep serving. Watch. Hebrews 11.10 says this. It's talking about Abraham. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He's looking for a city. Okay. Now look at verse 20 over here. We're looking at Isaac. It says of Isaac, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. It's futuristic. Mm, interesting. Look at verse 26. Moses, considering the reproach of, of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. They're all looking to the future, are they not? Okay. Okay. Let me try to drive this thing home. Let's go back to Abraham. It was Hebrews 11, verse 10. He's looking forward to a city. In Daniel chapter 6, it's not in your notes, it's not on your QR, there's not on there. Daniel now has been put in power over another kingdom. First Babylonian kingdom, now he's in Persia. He's the top dog underneath the king. The people next to him in the position of power, Daniel's a little bit better than them, they're jealous of this Jewish man. He's, he's been deported there when he was a young teenage boy, remember? Around 600 BC. So they set up a sting operator to try to get him. They're going to try to take him down. So what they do is, they go to the king of Persia and they say, let's enact a law that says for 30 days no one can worship any god but you. The king of Persia doesn't know that they're setting up Daniel because Daniel, he likes Daniel. Daniel's faithful. And the king says, that's a great idea. So they set up the law. It's a secret law. And don't think that your state governments don't set up secret laws. Don't kid yourself. Because every so often I have to expose one to you guys to show this is what they're doing. It's a secret law. And so the law passes. And they are waiting outside of Daniel's window. Because they want to get him. They want him killed. They want him out of the way. They've done all the lies, all the cheating. They take this guy down. Daniel opens up his window. He's not allowed to worship any god but that Persian king. Daniel's a Jewish boy. He's going to worship Yahweh. He faces Jerusalem, the city that he came from when he was deported, and he prays and worships God. He don't care what the law is. He don't care what anybody says. You see, he's looking, he's living in Babylon, a city on earth, but he's looking to another city, Jerusalem. He's not living for Babylon. He lives there, but he's not living for it. He's looking forward to a city, Jerusalem. He's living for that city. You got me? Do you feel me now? Abraham was looking for a city. Daniel's looking for a city. Something in the future. What city are you living for? If you're living for this, you're never going to serve. You must look to the future. This is a vapor. You're living for another city. You're living for the kingdom of heaven, the new Jerusalem, the millennial reign, eternity with Jesus. That's what you should be living for. Not for this. Okay. I'm a movie guy, right? And you guys still like when I do movies? So I saw this movie, I think it was right before they shut down everything with the pandemic back in, I think it was January or February I saw it. I really liked it, except the ending made me mad. How many movies make me mad at the end? They steal my joy. Um, it was called Ford versus Ferrari. Anybody see that? Great movie. 
True story, great movie. Bad ending, absolutely. I was upset. But the story was how Ford wanted to finally overthrow Ferrari in the 24-hour Le Mans race. So they bring in Carol Shelby of Shelby fame. We all know who that is, those who follow that stuff. And so they got to they build this prototype car, and he brings in a driver called Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, real quirky kind of character. Because he knows Ken Miles can drive the car. But Ken Miles driving, he says, we got to take this out, take this out, modify this, do all. And he knows what needs to be done. And there's this battle back and forth, back and forth, because the owner, one of the, one of the guys who's the main number one next to Mr. Ford, he doesn't like Ken Miles. And so finally, they get, Ken Miles gets to race the car in the 24-hour Le Mans. And, and, and at the end of it, all the Ferrari cars are blown up. Ken Miles is way ahead of the field. He's destroying everyone. He's such a racer. And then the word comes in from this one guy who's the right-hand man of Mr. Ford and he says, because now the American cars are all, there's like three or four of them, they're way ahead, but Ken Miles is way ahead of them. And he says, wouldn't it be great if Ken Miles slowed down and they all came in together and finished even? And you're just, at that point, you're just angry now because, right, am I right? If you watch it, you're just like, oh, I just want to hit that right-hand man. And Ken Miles is way ahead and he finally, he says, okay, he does it. He's, he's way ahead and he slows down. And they all catch him, and they all cross the finish line at the same time. There's a problem. Because Ken Miles, when the race started, he started in a position ahead of these guys. Therefore, when he crossed the line the same, he didn't get the victory. The other guys did. Somebody else did. Even though Ken Miles... He's the one who put it together. He's the one who raced that car, drove that thing. He's the one. And the way the movie ends, and by then I'm just like throwing popcorn at the screen. And I don't even eat popcorn. It's my wife. <laughs> and they're all rushing to the one guy who gets to be the victorious person. And there's this great scene at the end where he's sitting there. Nobody's surrounding him because the other guy gets the victory even though Ken Miles did all the work he's the one who drove the car he's the racer man and Mr. Ferrari's up in the stands and they show Mr. Ferrari looking down at Ken Miles and he just does this Ken Miles just going see Mr. Ferrari knows who won the race he knows who did the work and I want to finish this message with that idea and that's this you may be serving God year after year after year after year. And you look around and think, God, why do they get this in this life? Why do they get that in this life? Why do they get that? You don't notice me? You don't notice me? I'm doing all the work here. And you are. The people that change diapers, the asthma team out there, teach classes, the kids. See, I get to sit on stage and I get the kind of the glory thing. There's a lot of people, faces you don't know that do a lot of great work. And you know what? God's going to look at you on that day. Jesus Christ can look at you because you served and you were enduring, you were faithful. 
And maybe on earth you didn't get everything that everybody else got. He's going to look at you and go, well done. Because God knows. Jesus knows who serves. Jesus knows who does what. Just like in the end of that movie. See, that day we stand before Jesus, many scripts will be flipped. And you'll enter into that eternal joy. And you'll be put in charge, authority over cities. And everything you think you didn't get on earth, guess what? You're going to get in eternity. And that never ends. But it's all of our choice, huh? How do we want to spend eternity? How do we want to do that? What city are you living for? Which one? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Your words are clear in, your, in, the, in the word of God. It's clear. But we need to make decisions in our life. What city are we going to live for? Are we just going to sit back and watch the show? And then stand before Jesus one day and say, well, I'm going to show for it. That's not what we want. We want to hear words, well done, good and faithful. We want rewards. I'll put you in charge. We want an eternal experience who for the joy set before him. You got to be looking for a different city. You got to be looking for something beyond this earth. And that will keep your motivation and keep you enduring and keep you faithful. You got to let go of all the entanglements that are holding you back got to balance serving with pleasure got to be careful with that stuff don't be a person that weakens the local church strengthen it strengthen it now if you're sitting here or you're out there and watching on on television your phone and you've never placed your faith in Christ, now I'm, 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 I'm switching over now to salvation. This is not reward for works as a Christian. This is salvation. It's a different ballgame. This is the beginning point. This is something you can't earn. You've never placed your faith in Jesus? We hope you would. We hope you would. Because you know down deep in your heart that something's wrong. There's something wrong in this world. You know there's something, something's wrong in you that you just can't get right morally and you'd like to? Well, there's someone who came down to fix all that because he knew we couldn't, and that's Jesus. He came to fix it all if you just follow him. We hope you put your faith in him today, and that means literally that you believe in him as your Lord, Savior, God, Messiah, that there is no other but him, and that there is God. And Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's the word of God that spoke all things into existence. And his blood shed on the cross is what forgives you of sin, and sin is what keeps you and I out of heaven. But through the blood of Jesus, the sin can be washed away forever, and we can enter in an eternity with God, escaping an eternal hell. And you may say, well, Jim, I don't believe in it. It doesn't matter what you believe. You can confess all you want you don't believe it. What matters is that Jesus spoke about it an awful lot. But we want you to come into the love of God day salvation. And maybe you've never done that in today's day. Or maybe you backslid and you know what that means. And it's time to come back and get back in the game. 
So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you'd like to today, great. If you want to re, uh, return to Christ, rededicate your life, great. So I'm going to say this prayer. I want everybody in the room here to say it out loud with me. If somebody in here is going to say it for the first time, rededicate your life, say it with us. Those at home, say it. If you're watching digitally and people around you feel uncomfortable, whisper it, think it, but afterwards tell somebody that you gave your life to Christ or you rededicate your life. Don't hesitate on that. So here we go. Repeat this prayer after me and put your faith in Jesus as you do. Here we go. Repeat. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me a lot. That you would die for me. Take such a beating in my place. Carry my sins shed your blood that I could be forgiven forgive me Lord thank you for forgiving me I so appreciate it I commit my life to you I want to live my purpose in the kingdom of God the kingdom that matters thank you for saving me now let me pray for you God I just pray for everyone who said that prayer, would you just please follow Jesus? You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get everything right. But follow Jesus. The Spirit of God now lives in you. Get around Christians. They'll give you first steps. They'll tell you what to do. Stay around them because you're vulnerable right now. There's a literal enemy, the devil and demons, that are really, really upset right now because you switch teams. And they don't like that. They don't like that. So stick around the Christians. Stay in a fellowship with Christians because you've got to get strong now. Tell other people that you've put your faith in Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you that all heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen and amen. Will you stand up with me, everybody? Stand up. Now, before I let you go, remember that if you have a physical offering, you can drop it in the, in the containers there by the door. Um, I know most of you give online now. We appreciate it greatly. If you have any prayer needs at all, people to my left, your right, they'll be glad to pray for you on whatever you need prayer for. We have many ways to be able to bless other people during the holiday season. We hope you take advantage of that and be a blessing to someone else. And we hope that you jump in and you get involved, that these words we're sharing out of the Bible aren't just words you go, that was cool, but I'm not really going to do anything about it. Let's do something about it. Let's make the local church strong, those of you here and those of you who watch at home today. Any amens on that? God bless you guys. We'll see you later. We're going to ask you to exit that way. Have a great, great rest of your day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.